Uh, good morning, Judge. Um, we thank God for the opportunity that God has given to us today to worship together despite online. We thank God that he has kept us alive and uh, he has given us this great opportunity. Today, uh, I will be speaking on unity in our fellowship. Unity in our fellowship. Uh, one of the IBCVI beliefs is unity. And if you look at our website, it is written thus, in heaven, there will be people from all tribes, languages, nations around the throne of God. Our members from different backgrounds, countries and ethnic groups as the body of Christ and the family of God, scripture commands believers to be unified. The church should present to the world the multicultural model displayed in the book of Revelation chapter nine. Though uh, IBCBI is a church in Bukitinda, as we all know, having members from different backgrounds, we have members from America, we have members from Africa, Europe, Asia, and the likes. And we can, through IBCBI, have a glimpse. This is an exciting statement. I always heard uh, Craig, Pastor Greg, talking about it, that we have a glimpse of what we will experience in heaven around the throne of God, as it is written in Revelation uh, chapter 9. And uh, as we continue, I would like to read uh, the Bible in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. I read, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord gave you. And over all, sorry, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Verse 15 and the last. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Before I continue, let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for yet another opportunity to study, to worship together as a church. We thank you because this is another opportunity for you to admonish us, for you to speak to every one of us. Jehovah, we pray this day that uh, you will minister to us. Lord, whatever I'm going to speak, let it have a footing in the heart of everyone today. Lord, I pray that as we speak your word, we will not just hear it, we will use the word to foster unity in IBCBI and the church universal. Blessed be the name of the Lord, for in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. I said it that we are going to be speaking on unity in our fellowship, how to encourage unity in the church. How do we create unity in IBCBI and in church universal? Unity, it's a word we often mention in church, as we know, but what exactly does it mean to be unified with the people in our church? And how can we foster this sense of unity? These are questions 
for us to ponder on. We're going to focus on the significance of unity in the church and talk about what we can do to create unity. Each of us, as in every one of us has a role to play and each of us has much to gain because when we play our role, we create unity among brethren, we have so much to profit with them. We have much to gain from being part of a unified Christian community. What is this unity we are talking about? Does it mean you agree with everyone else in IBCBI on everything? Does it mean you agree with Pastor Craig or you agree with Sam, the elders, and on everything they say? Does it mean that you all love uh, the same thing? We all love to eat uh, nasi lemak, or we all love to eat uh, nasi goren, or we hate uh, durian. <clears throat> That's not the case. Do we watch the same TV music, uh, TV series, or we, we, we listen to the same music? No. We are all different, and that makes the greatness. So what does it mean? to be unified with people who are different from us. Yeah, let me share my experience many years ago while working as a, at a production company. I led a team of about 20, 25 people. And at that time, there were two teams running each of the shifts in the company. The management established a monthly reward system whereby two, three most productive workers were given incentives in cash and uh, in kind. All of a sudden, the management decided to change this system to one that fosters teamwork within the sheet. Hence, it was decided that instead of just two or three individuals, gifts will be given to every person on the shift that achieved the most productivity for the month. The change was so instant everyone on the team became interested in everyone else's work and well-being. A good example that I can vividly remember is this. Under the whole system, if one station on the assembly line breaks down, everyone on the other station just suspend their work. Some of them will just go and rest somewhere. It goes off to do other things until something is done to fix whatever broke down. However, when the new reward system was implemented for, if there was a simple problem, everyone contributes resources and efforts to ensure that the issue was fixed as fast as possible. The question is, why did it happen? When people realize that working together benefits everyone, then they realize that each and every person is important and vital to their own sources. It is possible that the principle adopted by this company was drawn from the scripture. This is how the church should function. So unity in the church is about coming together to form something bigger, far bigger than every individual, bigger than the pastor, bigger than elders. It's embracing and enjoying fellowship with each other. It's coming to the reality that we are stronger together than we are individually. Unity in the church doesn't, doesn't necessarily happen automatically. Everyone has a part to play in any relationship. We work relentlessly at building and maintaining this unity we are talking about. 
The book of Ephesians chapter four, verse three, gives a clear picture as it commands us to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Now, we're going to discuss how can we make every effort to maintain unity? What are the things we are going to do as individual and as a church to foster this unity? This spirit is very, very important. Okay, yeah, very few points, few ways we can do our part to create unity in the church. And the first one is remember, we need to remember our common identity. It's important to keep our common identity at the forefront. We need to put our common identity before us, having the consciousness of our common identity. The Bible says, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Despite the fact that we may disagree on many things, the key to church unity is for all of us to be on the same page when it comes to the main thing. No matter how many differences we and other Christians have, we are united by something that goes far beyond similar personalities. It goes beyond interest. It goes beyond anything, any of our interests, be it your own sport, franchise, or whatever. We've all been changed by the truth of the gospel and have been adopted into the same spiritual family. I think we should be excited about that. When we look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, which establishes the truth about our common identity. It says, so there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles. There's no difference between slaves and free people, between men and women. We are all one in union with Christ Jesus. And verse 29 says, if you belong to Christ, then you are the descendants of Abraham and will receive what God has promised. If you remember the story I gave about where I was working before, once you belong to the winning team, you are sure of the promise of the, of, of the management. You need to, we all need to key into this family of God to enjoy the promises of God. And we know the promises of our God is yea and amen. They are so numerous. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 tells us the distinctions like gender or ethnicity, those things are completely meaningless to Christians because we are all one in Jesus Christ. In the book of Philippians, Paul asked the church to complete his joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. That doesn't mean we all like exactly the same thing like Avalia said. What it does mean is that we share a common identity in Jesus Christ. And I move to my next point, which is acknowledging our need for community. Acknowledging our need for community. Uh, I don't know if you are one of those people or that always say, I know my personality. I know I'm an introvert. I know I love just, I just love keeping to myself. I love being in dog. I'm an independent person. Uh, 
But the fact still remains, none of us, I say none of us, not even the most introverted among us, would do well living in isolation. And I'm sure all of us know that COVID-19 pandemic has taught us that no man is an island. No man can be in, an, in isolation. We need each other. I say that we need each other, brethren. There are difficult times. There are challenging times. At the same time, we have times of rejoicing. We have time to party. We need fellow believers, other Christians in our church during difficult and great times. When there are challenges, we need our people. We need our brethren. We need our fellow believers. When we are even enjoying, only one person cannot do cannot organize a party and be enjoying it alone. We also need others to help us see areas we need to grow and to pray for ourselves. When we acknowledge our needs for each other and do our best to live in community with other believers, it lays a solid foundation for unity. And that moves me to the next point, my third point, which is be humble. I say remain humble, brethren, we need to stay humble. In the book of Ephesians chapter three, verse two, Paul emphasized the importance of unity. He says, be always humble, gentle, and patient. Show your love by being tolerant with one another. It's easy to say that I'm humble, but there is a thin line between humility and pride. Brethren, there is a very thin line between humility and arrogance. We need the help of God. We need to put Christ at the center of our activities. We need to be conscious, extra conscious of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, wherever we are, to say whatever we want to say, to do or to act. So putting Christ at the center of our life to be able to live above pride. I have this set of questions for us to ponder on. Are we self-centered? Why do we do what we do? Is it selfish ambition? Are we looking for cheap popularity? Is it always I, me, and myself? Is it one hour of prayer for myself and 10, 10 minutes for others? Brethren, Philippians, the book of Philippians chapter two, verses three and four says this. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to boost but be humble towards one another, always considering others better than yourself. And look out for one another's interest, not, not just for your own interest. And can we ask ourselves why the Bible is emphasizing and repeating the issue of humility? Why is it so important to be humble? Can we look at the secret behind humility, which is being mindful of our own weaknesses? If we are mindful of our weaknesses, we are less likely to act self-righteous and judgmental and more likely to be gracious towards our brothers and sisters in Christ who have weaknesses of their own. Brethren, we need to be mindful of this. When we focus on our own weaknesses, we treat it, we pray towards it, it will be difficult for us to begin to look at other people's weaknesses. And when we do this, it will help us to establish 
I mean, to be part of the community, to engage in unity. The book of Matthew, the Matthew chapter seven, verse three is asking us a question. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eyes, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? That is a question for us. If you ponder on this scripture and we act on it, it will help us to know how we relate with one another. By the grace of God, soon as we, the whole lockdown will be over, we will come back to church and we will see ourselves physically. And I pray that the almighty God will help us in Jesus' name. Humility is what we are talking about. And it is shown in our Lord Jesus Christ. He showed us an example of humility. Even Jesus rode in a donkey. Not, he could have, he could have entered an helicopter. He could have, I mean, rode in a high horse, but he didn't. Why? I think we should learn from that. When each of us remains humble, we value each other more and truly feel our need for each other. There is a songwriter, Kirk Franklin, he said something, and I want to read the lyrics of his song. He said, I need you, you need me. We are all a part of God's body. Stand with me, agree with me. We are all a part of God's body. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me, I need you to survive. I will pray for you, you pray for me. I love you, I need you to survive. I won't arm you with words from my mouth. I love you, I need you to survive. That is the lyrics of this song and it's so deep. I always have this saying that all we need in IBCBI, all a church needs is within the church. I, I stand to be corrected. What I mean is that the needs of the church, the spiritual needs of the church, the physical needs of the church, the needs of the brethren in the church can be met within the church. God has established it that way. And I want us to ponder on this. And that take me, uh, takes me to the next point, which is let us embrace our differences. Let us enjoy our differences. We have talked about these differences. We need to take advantage of it. We have different traits, different color, background, culture, personalities. And that first Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. The Bible uses the human body as a metaphor for the church. Just as the body is comprised of different parts, all of which serve their own function. Every member that makes up a church also serves their own function. To simply put this, we all have our own unique strengths and weaknesses. We know the metaphor that is being painted by the scripture is talking about the body. Like our body, we have the head, we have the hands, we have the leg. And if head, is aching. We all know that it affects every part of the body. This passage makes it clear that unity doesn't mean we are all the same. 
but we are each a unique piece that fits together to form a unified whole. What the hands can do, I don't think the hair can do it. We all know. So this is a unified whole that God is talking about. Brother, like brother here may be a good teacher and the sister sitting next to you may be an amazing encourager. One sister may be good in visitation and another one can make good cookies, donuts, and serve in church that brings people a little piece of heaven on earth. No one person needs to be great at everything because we have each other. Therefore, brethren, please let's embrace it. Let's embrace and celebrate those differences. If everyone in the church was exactly the same, it would be a pretty dull place. It would be boring. It would be uninteresting. And uh, I'm moving to my next point, which is the fifth point. Be positive about others' action. Brethren, we need to believe the very best in others. Let's imagine a church member walked past me in a bucket in there and did not say hi or acknowledge me. And I was like, why didn't he say hi to me? Why should he be the one to even greet me first? I'm asking my, myself that question. And I want us to ask her because this thing happens to many of us. We are talking about unity in the assembly. What should be our attitude? In the first place, why didn't I be the one to greet him? I saw him, he too saw me. And I was like, he didn't greet me. Why didn't I greet him? But in such a situation, brethren, so many things could cross one's mind. But I want us to look at what the scripture says. They watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Let's guard our hearts jealous from all this. One could assume the man didn't see him. Or maybe he was in a hurry to get somewhere. Or it can be maybe I could become offended and assume they must be given the silent treatment. Of all this, which of these responses is earlier and more conducive to maintaining unity? I think we can answer for ourselves. Sure, there may be times when someone truly is brushing us off deliberately, yes. But we can do a lot more harm by assuming the worst and being wrong than we can by assuming the best and being wrong. I'm sure all of us want a friend to give us the benefit of the doubt. All of us have beautiful qualities. And the truth of the matter is that some not so beautiful qualities, but we have to live together. We have to worship God together. We have to help one another. Brethren, we need to choose to focus on the good. The sure thing is whether we look for the best in people or the worst in people, the writer says, it's a general saying, we will definitely find it. But I think the best admonition these days is that let's look for the very best in ourselves, in others. Then the next point is, let's walk through conflict. We all know that we are all human beings 
and not God. Because blood is still flowing in our body. Relationships with a church member can get messy at, at times. And even we are the same in our family members, among our siblings, among our parents, even with our parents and partners. It can get messy at times. When there's closeness with someone, we know that our faults and differences leading to a form of conflict is inevitable. When it happens, what is our response? Brethren, when, when such things happen, what do we do? Do we avoid the person? Do we stop coming to church? Do we withdraw? Do we lean and walk through the conflict? Our response is very, very important. Apostle Paul closes his second letter to the Corinthians church. He urges them to strive for full restoration in their relationships. That is the answer to our question. We should strive for full restoration in our relationships with others. This is a far cry from avoiding someone you've had a negative interaction or argument with. Instead of letting the issue drive a wedge between you and your friend in the church, walk, let's walk through the conflict with them. Please don't hesitate. Don't let us hesitate to ask for forgiveness when needed and be quick to forgive so we can enjoy full restoration in our fellowship. The last point today is we need to check our motives. When conflict arise or we are trying to respond, what is behind our mind? What are we thinking? Why do we do what we wanted to do? We should always check our motives. Our goal should always be to restore relationships and enjoy unified fellowship. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We need to be careful when we are trying to respond to conflicts among brethren. We need to be careful not to get our points across, not to be dragging and enforcing our ideas not that we just want to change someone's mind or make someone feel guilty or make them to look bad. No, that's not the attitude that we should put up. There are times when we are called to correct others, but we should only ever do it in love for the good of unity. We should be like our father. We should be like God. We should be like Jesus, the God of love. Galatians 6 1 says that if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. This is a picture of kindness and humility, not a holier than thou mentality of condemnation. If you can't wait to go tell someone, oh, this is a good sign, it's time to take a step back and prayerfully check your own heart. Brethren, we need to drop our ego. We need to stop pointing accusing fingers to each other. We need to approach persons in law, just as you want them to do with you. We all know, and we are saying this today that 
don't give what we wouldn't want someone to give us. Don't do that which we don't want someone to do to, to others. Can I conclude by saying we are to live and keep unity based on the principles of God's word. We need to faithfully serve God and be part of building a strong fellowship. Unity in our fellowships can inspire each believers to grow. Growth requires keeping God's rightly divided word as our standard. We can apply God's words together by having our minds renewed with the love of God and with forgiveness, then with forgiveness when mistakes are made. This is all part of keeping the spiritual unity, keeping unity in our fellowship. Let us pray. Father, we bless your name. We exalt your name. We adore you, Lord. We thank you because you are the God of unity. You are the God of love. We thank you because you are giving, you have given us the good. You have given us the good word of God and Jesus as our makeup. Lord, we thank you this day because you have admonished us, you have spoken to our heart, you have reminded us of the significance of unity in our fellowship. And Father, we pray this day, the Lord, you will keep us favorably, you will help us, you will provide all we need to foster the spirit of unity in the church. And so our Father, we commit ourselves into your hand that what we have had today and what we have pondered in our heart will not stand against us in the day of judgment. And at the end, we will be with you in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen.